Okay. Uh, thanks everyone for joining us today um, to this session of the Earth Day Live. Uh, we know if you're joining us from wherever you're joining for us from, good morning, good afternoon, good evening from all over the world. So thanks for joining the African team. And uh, we are delighted to have this conversation this, uh, this evening in East Africa and in, and in the morning in the US and the rest of the other parts. So uh, just to kickstart our session, uh, our session is about igniting an education revolution, the role of climate literacy in Africa. And I'm Derek Mugisha. I'm, I'm a regional director Africa at EarthDay.org. Uh, we are an international organization, and um, we are basically doing our work on environmental education and climate literacy. We also have programs that move around uh, plastic pollution, regenerative agriculture, and the rest. So just to give you a description of this session, uh, in order for us to combat the climate crisis, uh, we believe as Arthur.org that compulsory assessed climate and environmental literacy is really essential and that this engaging discussion will look to examine the critical need for high quality climate education in Africa to develop the next generation into one that is informed and, and, and an active one where we can see that we can have very vibrant environmental stewards. And the panel today that you hear from will really focus on how climate education can be used to inspire hope and action for students in African countries and around the world. So this event is also going to be launching the all new Africa Climate Ambassador Toolkit, a helpful resource that teaches youth how they can engage in climate restoration in their communities and really support through grassroots organizing. So that's that's all about today's session. So thanks for joining us once again. I'll just give you a brief about the overview of climate literacy campaign. So Earth Day is, push, is pushing an agenda on a very ambitious uh, campaign that is aimed at seeing that all states, uh, all parties under the UNFCCC, when, while we go to COP26 in Glasgow uh, in a few, few months, I think now we are under like two months or so, we should be able to at least come up with um, a very groundbreaking announcement or an achievement for us to see that we can have access and compulsory climate literacy and, and environmental education. So we urge all parties. Uh, we have a campaign that uh, we have been running from, you know, from the start of this year till now, until COP and even beyond, to see that this dream is made a reality and that we can achieve this ahead of COP. We all know that African countries have a role to play, and that's why this panel is going to really exhaust this kind of conversation around climate education and uh, environmental education and climate literacy to see that we ha can have those ambitious targets reached. We know this is an Article 12 of the Paris Agreement, but most of the states haven't taken it seriously. So I'm happy to see that some of the panelists we have today, uh, we have the Action for Climate Empowerment focal points, and they will tell us really uh, maybe what needs to be done or why are we not yet uh, where we need to be. So we urge uh, people from all over the world to sign on to our campaign. You can just go to earthday.org um, forward slash uh, campaign forward slash climate uh, dash environment literacy. And we should be able to sign up and also encourage your countries to, to be able to make this mandatory and push and, and try to commit to compulsory and assess climate literacy before even COP26, that by the time we go there, we can push and rally other 
other kind of uh, states to also be part of this conversation. So I'll hand over to John Bertrand, who will be, who'll be the moderator for today's session, and I look forward to very fruitful discussion. Thank you. Thank you so much, Derek. And um, it's a pleasure to have all of you delegates and people from around the globe um, tuned in and joining us today on such an important matter. One of the issues that are affecting us uh, this day and time, we are really, really uh, struggling as continents, as the world, to adjust to the effects that we are facing now. And um, I must say, this has pushed us. I know the action has started over the years, but the seriousness that has fallen upon us requires us to act with agency. And uh, one of the key issues uh, is toward behavioral change, because as humans, we have to pay attention to our behavior. That's the one that's detect our day-to-day -day lifestyle. So hence why we are connected today, uh, joined by esteemed delegates to help us, you know, take us through this uh, issues that we are facing in uh, today's session. So today we have um, a number of uh, uh, we have a rich panel that we have that I will introduce for you guys. We have uh, Miss Clara, uh, a representative from uh, UNEP, United Nations Environment Program in Tanzania, who is joining us today. We also have Mr. Teddy uh, P. Taylor, uh, a national focal point uh, in Liberia for the uh, Action for Climate Empowerment, which is the ACE, as well as the Youth coordinating um, the youth coordinator of uh, environmental protection agency of Liberia. We also have Dr. Um, Emmanuel Techi, the deputy director uh, at Ghana Environmental Protection Agency at uh, and national also focal point for the UNEP um, for the agency and national environmental protection agency as well in the, in the Ghana and we'll then also have one of the young people that we have which is um, Ezekiel, Mr. Ezekiel uh, from Liberia who is also the founder of uh, a youth network in Liberia that has been doing so much and we have been working closely with uh, towards the implementation of you know some of our work on climate literacy and we're proud to have you uh, delegates join us today. So. Without wasting much of the time, I know I didn't do justice in the introduction, so I'll allow each and every one of you to also introduce yourselves and uh, just share a bit on the work that you'll be doing. So I'll start again with Miss Clara, uh, so that she can just share with us uh, what they're doing on climate literacy. Thank you. Over to you, Miss Clara. Hello, can you hear me? Yes, we can hear you. Yeah, we do hear you. Very good. Very good. Very good. Yes. So um Clara Makenya, just as I've been introduced, I've represented UNEP Tanzania. A great pleasure to join this session. And definitely UNEP uh, is one of the very keen agencies leading global environmental authority, setting the global environmental agenda. So climate literacy is literally at the center and at the heart United Nations Environment Program. Generally speaking, or maybe just to introduce what UNEP is all about, I don't have to take for granted that everybody would know about UNEP. Yes, it's the UN entity that promotes the coherent implementation of the environmental agenda and the, specifically the environmental dimension of 
government within the United Nations system. So it actually serves as authoritative advocate for global environment. <laughs> specifically, and if I may just say for Tanzania specifically, yeah, we are actually focusing on the five thematic priorities, which include climate change, mitigation and adaptation, biodiversity conservation, addressing waste and hazardous chemicals, resources efficiency, uh, including sustainable consumption and production, and of course, environmental governance. So coming to uh, climate literacy work, and I hope I'll have maybe uh, another opportunity to reflect a little bit on this one. UNEP has had what we call Education for Sustainable Consumption program. And this program is really literally looking at uh, building sustainable lifestyle and understanding and mindset from the very young children, from the age of uh, kindergarten all the way to the university. What we have been doing in that is really looking at how we can um, um, integrate and build the capacity of the educational institutions as well as the schools themselves to be to have part to to, to include you know to to have the educators um, get the right guidelines or guide right guidance in bringing uh, children up to speed in terms of bringing on board uh, sustainable lifestyles from their young 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 age so uh we have done this in um in different levels i would say level number one to support and provide policymakers with the relevant instruments that would enhance and would bring the understanding of the importance of education for sustainable consumption and which will also address or would also impact in one or another other policy goals. But we also look at providing guidance on how to integrate education for sustainable consumption in the actual school curriculum. But there is also an element of providing educators with tools and instruments, as I shared earlier on, in order to enhance the understanding, in order to enhance the teaching practices to help the young ones get um, they needed uh, information, they needed education to enhance their understanding for education for sustainable consumption and sustainable lifestyles as a whole. But also UNEP has a program that is called New Young Champions of the Earth. I wish I had an opportunity to share a video with you. This is a very interesting program. It's a global stage for young people to showcase technological inventions and innovative business models for improving our planet Earth. So just in a nutshell, in terms of what UNEP is doing uh, on climate literacy, that's what I can share for now. I'm not sure, um, moderator, whether we'll have more time to further reflect on, on what I've shared right now. I hope this was just time for introductions. Thanks, moderator. Yes, of course. Um, thank you for that. Um, yeah, so the time for introductions and um, it's good to hear the amazing work that you're doing and uh, hopefully by the end of uh, this session, most of the people will be tuned in and more engaged and get a way to complement some of these efforts. Um, I had not done justice in the introduction, like I said before, so I would like to also uh, add that we also have Ms. Patricia Campbell, who is also a founder of Tree Initiative. And I'll give you this platform, Ms. Patricia, to introduce yourself as well and just share a brief 
a bit about the work that you're doing as well. Uh, hello, good afternoon, good morning, everyone. My name is Patricia Combo. I'm a young youth in Kenya and the founder of Patricia Initiative. And what we are doing, we are working on introducing environmental education among young kids in schools in Kenya, whereby we are doing so by promoting education for sustainable development in training them on how to mitigate and how to face climate crisis and how to better understand what we mean when we talk of climate and so far we are doing by introducing environmental clubs and agricultural clubs where we partner with schools and partner with kids we train them on how to set up kitchen gardens how to utilize the space that is available and also we train them on setting up tree nurseries both indigenous and fruit trees so that they can they can they can finance themselves and also they can improve on their nutrition as as a way of even as they protect the environment and also ensuring that they well understand matters environment and what we've been working on majorly is equipping them with the skills because we realized there was a disconnect between the young generation and the older generation whereby they do not understand the causes of climate crisis and we are trying to relate what was happening in the past and what is happening and also giving them the best solutions by telling them stories of successful stories on how other countries and how other young kids are doing so as to ensure all together we raise a generation that first of all loves and appreciates nature and that is conscious and that can stand and protect nature thank you thank you so much um interesting and amazing work that you're doing um thank you for sharing that um yeah so i figured there's a lot of working with young people younger generation i guess you're catching them young um which is amazing and i wish most of us had gotten that opportunity as we grew up um, yeah thank you so much for sharing that i'll move on to um now um Ezekiel, Mr. Ezekiel, to introduce yourself and just share a little bit of work that you're doing. Uh, thanks to everyone. My name is Ezekiel Yanfo, and I'm from Liberia, West Africa. It is nice to see uh, Patricia here as well, and Teddy and the rest of you guys. I'm the founder and executive director of the Liberian Youth for Climate Actions. And also having to be the youth ambassador of FD.org uh, here in Liberia. And uh, I'm a dedicate to MoCOP26, as well as the National Coordinator for Climate Science, which is a UK-based uh, NGO. And I'm the founder and executive director of the Liberian Youth for Climate Actions, a registered youth NGO residing in Liberia, championing the cause of climate change. And our NGO, we have five thematic areas we focus on climate change and that is awareness and calling for climate education to be uh, taught in schools across Africa mainly and also we focus on biodiversity conservation uh, which is we are talking about the protection of real hotspots in Liberia and, and across Africa and also we focus on disaster risk reduction uh, champion the cause of the SADIA framework for disaster reduction for youth to become part 
of the plan and implementation of building resilience across Africa. And also we focus on climate entrepreneurship. That is, we, we are promoting the green economy and uh, 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 discovering opportunities, uh, business opportunities within, within climate change and also building climate action enterprises across, across uh, Liberia. Lastly, we, our angel focus on youth inclusion. That is uh, making young people to understand those terminology used during the COP, the viral COPs, and as well as they are becoming uh, diplomats and how to negotiate and lobby the government calling for climate actions across Africa and also Liberia as a whole. So thank you very much. I'm excited today uh, for this webinar and also the launch of the Africa Climate Ambassador Toolkit, which our NGO uh, residing here in Liberia initiated it and with partnership with other NGOs across Africa and based in UK as well. And a big thanks to FDA.org uh, for being one of the major uh, supporters of, of, of this toolkit. I'm really, really happy to be in this family. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ezekiel. Um, one of the inspirational young minds uh, that we have in the continent. Um, they are doing so much with his team, with other peers that he works with, um, and it's really inspiring with leaders like him. I'm sure we're headed towards the right direction. Thank you for sharing, Ezekiel. I'll move on to Mr. Teddy P. Tyler, the National Focal Point for Liberia for the ACE program. So if you can just share uh, just a little bit about yourself and the work that you're doing uh, as a nation, I must say, because you're the focal point. Thank you. Yes. You can unmute your mic um, and then you can proceed. Um, my name is Teddy P. Taylor. I'm the national focal point for the Action for Climate Empowerment, Liberia to the UNFCCC. I'm also the youth, the youth coordinator at the Environmental Protection Agency of Liberia. So I'm happy to be here. My role basically at the EPA is to coordinate youth-related affairs as it relates to climate change and the environment. So as much as I can do is to make sure that we increase youth participation in international decision-making, policy-making, and policy design so that it reflects, it, uh, it reflects the next generation of people who are going to come face-to-face -face with these policies. So I'm happy to be here. I'm happy to share this platform with Dr. Obeng. The... Looks like we are losing you for a bit, uh, Mr. Taylor. Uh, but we'll come back to you once uh, your internet connection has uh, come back. Um, apologies for that, um, Doctor. Looks like uh, Mr. Taylor was really, really excited to introduce you. Um, so I give this platform to you to introduce yourself and uh, just share a bit more about the work that you're doing. Thank you. 
Yeah, thank you very much, uh, actually, to Derek and uh, the Ed Bay well, for inviting Ghana. That's it. For inviting Ghana uh, to this literacy climate change program. I'm uh, Dr. Emmanuel Techi, being the National Focal Point of uh, Climate Change Education, Training Public Awareness, which we call the Action for Climate Empowerment in Ghana, and also the coordinator of Climate Change Learn program of the UNITA of the UN. Actually, uh, what we've done so far as Ghana is concerned, uh, right from 2015, uh, we started developing what we called uh, Ghana Climate Change and Green Economy Learning Strategy. This strategy is in response to Doha Work Program of the UNCCC, which compels every country to develop a strategy for climate change learning, education, training, public awareness. So through that, we came out with 13 actions. And one of them is to integrate climate change to school curricula. So as of today, Ghana has integrated climate change into school curricula. And we did that uh, by first organizing what we call the situation analysis. We did questionnaire to know teachers, uh, children, how they understand climate change. And thereafter, we collaborated with Ghana Education Service, and then we trained their subject area panels uh, who actually are experts who integrate climate change to school curricula. And then, together with them, we have been able to integrate climate change into all the subjects, uh, including math and English, uh, science, uh, uh, our world, our people, among others. And then, uh, in 2019, we were able to integrate climate change into primary school from primary one to primary six. And in 2020, we integrated climate change in the junior high. And then we've developed teaching and learning materials, which is supporting the teachers to teach the children in the classroom. We've also built capacity of 1,200 teachers because the teachers, the climate change looks very technical to them. So apart from Ghana Education Service training them generally, on the curricula, we also specifically trained them on climate change. And that became a good thing for them to know the indicators of climate change. And then currently they are teaching the, the children uh, with the teaching and learning materials. And then what we are also planning to do is also integrate uh, climate change to the senior high. And then also the teachers, see we want sustainability at the teacher's end. So we are planning to develop models which will give to the teaching, uh, the teacher training institutions, which will help them to come out with teacher professionals as far as climate change is concerned. And then they will be able to train the children, teach the children at school so that we don't need to go to the schools to train again. So that is one important thing that we've, got, we've done so far as climate change literacy in Ghana is concerned. Another thing that we've also done is for Africa, uh, we have established something we call Agile, which we call the African Academy for Global uh, Leadership Empowerment. Uh, we are doing this uh, with UNCCC and then the regional office in Togo. And all what we are doing is that we are trying to come out with climate literacy so far as the youth are concerned. So we are building youth capacity on negotiations, trying to uh, build youth capacity on entrepreneurship, and then also share information on climate change. 
the third thing which uh, I would like to talk about is our program, which we call the Climate Change Education in Schools program. And this is a program, what we do is we go out there and then we build capacity of uh, the, the school children, uh, especially the, the, the senior high and then the junior high on climate change. And then with support of Temu, it's an uh, organization in, in, in Netherlands, we plant automatic weather station in the schools so that the children start, uh, they form what they call the climate change uh, uh, clubs, and then they collect climate data, and then they play with it and all that. So these are some of the things, the three major things that I would like to talk about is to far as uh, climate change literacy in Ghana is concerned. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, Doctor. It's a pleasure. Uh, I'll give the platform back to you, uh, Mr. Tyler. Uh, if you are back now, we last lost you when you were introducing, saying you're glad to be on the same platform with Doctor. I'm sure with so much that they are doing in the country that she has been sharing, you'll be um, quite keen to also compliment some of the work that you're also doing as a government as well in Liberia. So, Please, um, if you can come through just uh, with and finish up your introduction. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if he is muted, but I'm, I think I'll just connect with him on the next question um, that you obviously have. But I was really, really eager and uh, grateful with uh, the amount of work that you're doing and uh, probably as the focal points and uh, as well as representative from different huge organizations that are doing so much and uh, embarked on the journey of environmental you know, conservation and literacy and you know, trying to get people to understand environmental education, which has been a key component. But uh, over the years, we have had so much coming through. We have had so much distance from the environment towards, you know, industrialization, which has been a norm now. But uh, our way back to understanding and living in harmony with nature and wildlife is the stage that we are at, as well as restoring what we have lost, restoring our earth. So how best can we transition going back to that? So given that the education that we have been receiving over the years, I know you mentioned about the work that you're doing with the teachers, but apparently there's still a huge gap that we have uh, amongst our communities. And going forward, I know we have the largest negotiations that we have that uh, we mentioned as COP, uh, where we have these discussions and decisions made regarding the environment, the climate, and other things. How best uh, do you think, um, you know, your work can be upscaled and how best can we make climate literacy a critical component um, that we can use um, to, to curb or to reduce this much growing gap? I know this just doesn't concern your organization, but it's more like the work that you are, you think the, com the continent could grow better and could do better with. So I will start again with you, Ms. Clara. 
so that you can just share what you think. I know as UNEP, you have some ambitions, but there's so much that we need to, you know, revisit and work towards. How do you think we can shrink this gap that is forever growing and we make use of climate literacy as a component? I think I'm muted. Yes, you can, can you hear ahead. me? Yes, oh, I can excellent, hear you. excellent. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. That would get us to where we want to be in terms of you know climate literacy would help would really help a lot. Um, I was listening to um, um, uh, Dr. Manuel from Ghana, and I'm actually very much impressed with where Ghana has already gone to in terms of even, you know, um, cooperating for uh, uh, getting the uh, climate literacy really in the school curriculum. There's been some challenges here and there, specifically, especially There's a lot, there's been a lot of issues that have, you know, like they're more or less, it's, it's, a, it's a temptation of clustering, putting everything in, in the education curriculum. And the, at the end of the day, the Ministry of Education would, you know, would really sort of, you know, resist to have, you know, each and everything in the curriculum with a, with a worry that you know, at the end of the day, the children will be confused or will be totally overwhelmed. I don't know whether that's the experience that has, has also you know, been in other countries, but in reality, over over the recent past, there's been issues with you know HIV, education, education for sustainable development, civic um, education. There are lots of lots of emerging issues that uh, sort of you know they all. Seem to be very, very important and very included in the curriculum. So, of course, from this end, with the Education for Sustainable Consumption, which is a specific, uh, you know, flagship program on climate literacy for for UNEP, what we, we we just managed to do was to create this, you know, teachers educators guide. But I would say I would say um, that the best entry point and the best uh, the best best platform would really to uh, create the awareness, not just in schools, but even in communities. So all the way from community level to policymakers level. And there's a need to balance, there's a need to create the linkage and the connectivity between the policymakers and the law, you know, the lowest grassroots or household levels. The actual understanding of climate change impacts, the actual understanding of how climate change is so close to us, so close to our day-to-day -day lives, and how we can either contribute to uh, address 
and to mitigate, you know, to bring them uh, different mitigation measures that could be within our control, that could be within our, you know, our specs of, um, of understanding. And there is where we need the, the awareness creation component, very stressed. At, you know, stressed at the levels of, uh, of, 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 of community levels. I, I earlier shared that there is a need of linkage between policymakers, you know, government institutions, all the way to the grassroots levels. Because at the end of the day, there are laws, there are legal frameworks, there are, you know, policies and strategies that in one way or another would need to support, would need to enhance all the efforts done at the grassroots levels, all the efforts done by you know individual community members to address impacts of climate change, to be able to understand how they contribute to uh, uh, to to minimize impacts of climate change in the different communities. So the aspects of legal frameworks, the aspects of policy come in very strongly, and therefore even climate literacy coming to the level of these policymakers coming to the level of these government institutions and, uh, you know, government decision makers. So we would not take for granted, for example, thinking that everybody understands everything concerning climate change. So climate literacy really goes all the way from school children, household level, all the way to government decision makers and policy makers. Uh, uh, I, I, I just... Um, was I wanted to cite something that just happened uh, recently. We we recently had this uh, tropical cyclone Idai. I'm sure you 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 heard of that around uh, March, if I'm not mistaken. We struck the southern African countries, including Mozambique, Malawi, Zimbabwe, and it was just about to come to Tanzania, and then you know it it weakened somehow. And uh, you, you hear that this particular cyclone really, you know, actually uh, took about 1,300, you know, people's lives. And many people have been missing in that. And I was wondering, I was asking myself, what would have been the role of climate literacy in these elements, in these areas, in this uh, sort of, uh, you know, catastrophe that took place? And it comes back to the point that is all sets of the communities, all uh, sectors, it's all disciplines that are involved. So again, bringing back the element of climate literacy across disciplines. You're thinking about the infrastructure, you are thinking about, you know, even school infrastructures, even road infrastructures, you know, how we build our roads, how we build our infrastructures in such a way that they are resilient enough Either to minimize the amount of people that die out of the catastrophes, or to minimize the damages that can be caused, even in different angles, in different sectors of development of a country. So my point here is really to to bring on board the importance of climate literacy, all the way from policymakers to the household community levels but also bringing on board that awareness across without necessarily assuming that, you know, there is a certain sector of community that is already aware or is already fully informed of, 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 of climate-related challenges. Thank you. Thank you.
thank you so much for sharing that. Um, you touched in uh, quite a sensitive issue there, um, something that I was drawn close to. Um, by the way, I'm also from Zimbabwe, and uh, we experienced Cyclone Idai, which was um, quite hectic and tough. And as climate change comes through, the responses that we have, how resilient are we uh, as communities, and how much do our communities believe that? Because you are, you will see that some of these problems heavily hit um, the rural communities, which are not exposed to, you know, to the social media, to the to the education that we are exposed to, to the books. They are brought up as communities and uh, with the indigenous knowledge uh, as communities. So it's really, really a gap that's there. And some of these things, I do not believe in them, that such that they think they, they are metaphors or they, you know, they are just, you know, ancestors or things just are happening out there, but they do not connect them with uh, with the science that it presents. Um, so how best can we bring up that connectivity? Uh, I know, Patricia, you shared something about how much you work with the community. And um, of course, most of us, when we talk of literacy, we target, you know, schools um, and universities. But in Africa, for instance, in Zimbabwe, majority of the people are in rural areas. I would say about two thirds of the country's population is in rural communities. How best can we reach out to all those people and can we use the structures that we have amongst our communities? This could be traditional leaders and uh, the intervention of the indigenous knowledge system connected with the climate literacy. What are the gaps there? What do we need to bridge? How are you doing it also as as community leaders, as an organization that's operating there, and what's your possible reach? And do you think, you know, what could be the resources that you might also be looking for? What and you are hoping for, you know, decision makers and governments like with representatives like Dr. and Mr. Tyler uh, to also bring on to the table. Maybe if you could just share some some experience towards that, Patricia. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Uh, sorry for the, the disruption. It was because of some internet glitches that we had here, but we tried to resolve the issues. So basically, we it's important to know that this conversation around the climate uh, education climate literacy is important. It's, um, it's crucial to promote climate change or uh, climate action. It's important to also know that uh, these are initiatives that will help people to understand and address the impacts of climate change uh, and to also be in various regions on the basic knowledge, skills, and attitude needed to act as areas of change. So basically, like Bureau, what we what we have been able to do um, is to organize environmental across the schools and communities from the from the government level at the epa we have the department of intersectoral coordination and that department is charged with the responsibility of of, of creating awareness climate change awareness uh, in schools and communities so uh, the department of intersectoral coordination were able to organize uh climate Change across the schools and communities, and with that, we can see in those schools and communities 
to see that there's a massive behavioral change among uh, inhabitants in the, in the community and the students in the school. We also have um, this project funded by Jeff. It's called the, the Cross-Cutting Capacity Development Project. Um, this, the, that project is basically to mainstream the TDBO conventions and in terms of uh, providing more uh, public awareness to these conventions. And so as part of that, under that project, we have been in conversations with the Ministry of Education to have a curriculum or to have environmental education infused in the national curriculum. So that conversation going well. So at, the, at this stage, we have been able to pilot that project to see how can we be able to uh, teach environmental education in, in few and few of the elementary schools and the secondary and, and tertiary, uh, secondary schools, the the elementary, the the middle school school and the secondary school, senior secondary school. So that is going on well. Uh, the, 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 the part of the project will end next academic year. So that will, that will, that will inform the perspective of the uh, project developers and, and, and technicians here at the EPA on their step taking as well as the, the, the Ministry of Education. I'm actively involved in, into that because you know the the action for climate empowerment has six objectives, and uh, one of these objectives uh, uh, talks about uh, education. So education is very important, and so we 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 involved in this project as with the with the project team from the cross country capacity development project. So it's important that we try to shift the behavioral pattern of our citizens. And is are we there yet? No. Are we getting there yet? Yeah, but there are still a lot of work to do. There's a reason why we we are charged, also charged the responsibility of coordinating with youth institutions that what Ziga is doing, right? They are doing a, a very excellent job and a lot of other young people in Liberia are doing a very excellent job and youth institutions in Liberia as well. They are doing an excellent job in making sure that the issue of climate change education and public awareness be high, you know, be taken to another level, right? Quite recently, we on the revision process of our of our nationally determined contribution, and we were basically in the counties uh, having our 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 stakeholder consultation. We were able at, at that point to be able to to speak to the people in the various languages, right, in the local languages, to make sure that they understand what is it that this climate change action plan of the country that we call the NDC is all about. So besides that, besides the issue of the NDC, there are other Pertinent issues. There are other issues that they need to understand, you know, from the elementary level. Because when you deal with these people, when you deal with the kids at the elementary level, you try to, you try to, you try to elevate the issue of creating a climate smart, and environmentally sensitive generation. So we, 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 and one another strategy we are we we are we are using is to make sure that we have. Um, is a multi-multi's uh, stakeholder approach is intergenerational. So we have to we're making sure that we have the older folks who have, have the younger the, the younger ones who have people living with disabilities. And even so, our consultations where we have uh, uh, interpreters at some of our, 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 our consultations to make sure that 
they be able to interpret you know, these issues to our people that live with disabilities, the deaf and dumb, and etc. So we, to a large extent, we try to do, we try to, we try to uh, place premium on the issue of climate change education, and we welcome uh, this toolkit that has been developed by by folks from from the Labra Youth uh, uh, Climate Action uh, Group, uh, headed by Ezekiel, Ezekiel and his team, and with with support from F FD. Uh, that all. Um, what we can, what we can hope is that uh, once this is this is this is launched after today's meeting, after today's launch, uh, we can set a time that uh, Ezekiel and his team can be able to come to the EPA. We can book a meeting with the executive director of the EPA and other folks. Uh, our new UNFCCC focal point, who is also the who is also the the coordinator of multilateral environmental agreements. We can we can have in the meeting, we can have in the meeting uh, folks from the Department of Intersectoral Coordination, so that we can be able to look at this toolkit and be, and see how we can form a better partnership with with youth institutions that mean well for our citizens, and then see how we can be able to have proper collaboration and coordination. Thank you very much. It's important. You know, it's good to be part of this. Uh, this uh, meeting, and I'm happy, like I said, to share this platform with that old bank. That old bank uh, is someone I look up to. <laughs> that old bank is someone I look up to. You know, you know, I'm like I'm like the son in the I'm like the son of all these all these great men within the among the national focal points. As a matter of fact, I might be the youngest, so I look up to them. And that old bank is one of the person that is normal, is easily reachable. <laughs> I can say that for a fact. And that our bank, I yeah. hope that we can have some other coordination uh, before we get to before we get to uh, to, to Glasgow. Great. So Great. thank you very much, folks. Uh, thank you. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, folks. Ezekiel, you are doing a wonderful job. Like we always say, uh, whatever you do can only be heightening, can only be pushed forward with proper coordination from the statutory institution of government that is responsible for environment and climate change which is the Environmental yes. Protection Agency. Whatever you do without the knowledge and acquiescence of the government through the Environmental Protection Agency, is like going to the classroom, right? Taking exams, right? you write exams, but you, are, you, you did not pass through the registrar office, so you don't have report card. So even if, you so want, even if you have to go to Glasgow, we need to know what you are doing. When FD Network want to sponsor you to Glasgow, you need to have notification from your from the national focal point of the UNFCCC. You cannot do that when the EPA don't know what you're doing. So I urge you continue what you're doing, but please liaise with government so that we can be able to pat you on the back and push you forward. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, um, Mr. Tyler. Um, I can see so much ambition in there and so much, you know. Um, of eager to share and inspire um, his peer uh, and his young brother, Ezekiel. I'm sure he's really, really proud of the work that he has done and uh, seeing Doctor, who is a mentor of most um, around as well, which is really, really good and inspiring. Uh, we're grateful to have you share so much. And, uh, you know, you bring in quite some components that with this eagerness um, that we have, I know you are the ace 
focal point. There's a lot of coordination that needs to be done amongst our governments to integrate all these components that you are bringing through. Hence, that day coming through with this climate literacy initiative, whereby we notice, you know, ACE is agreed um, at COF under the Article 12, yes, and uh, seats, it's agreed uh, usually, but the component itself, it doesn't. It's just say talked about climate education is necessary, climate education is necessary, it's critical, we agree this and the just to be done, it's a truth. And but then when it comes to the ground, how much resources are being prioritized and put towards climate education, how much MIV monitoring and verification, how much follow-up, how much you know campaigns, how much literature is developed, how many meetings are being done. Is it now mainstreamed among schools? all those components are not are overlooked. So right now I would like to invite Doctor, I'll come back to you, Patricia Combo, as well as uh, Izeko. I'd like to give Doctor uh, the platform. I'll just ask you to be a bit uh, precise, unfortunately, because of our time. Um, but I'll come to you uh, asking you, um, I know as a government representative, uh, being your focal point, how is it possible for us to have all the governments, especially in Africa, to prioritize and make climate literacy uh, uh, a compulsory thing across the continent, something that we cry for? Because this too, as we can see now, like uh, Taylor was highlighting, it's really, really essential and it's something that we depend on uh, in the near future. So how best can we have this uh, made compulsory as a continent, maybe is it through SADAC platforms, is it through UNEP platforms, is it through FD Africa, is it, you know, AU, how can we have governments take this seriously and make it a compulsory initiative? Yeah, thank you again for giving me the opportunity and then how government and development partners are who leads to actually uh, strength the gap so far as climate education is concerned uh, first of all i will link up to to unep uh unep was mentioning some of the activities that we've done so far the sustainable development program is concerned but if you look at the the climate change uh un agenda article 6 of the convention article 12 of the paris agreement under the doha work program most of the countries across Africa, the world, are developing their own learning actions. But the problem is uh, finding it difficult to implement it. So with UNEP with us, I will plead that they set up a special fund for climate change education. That will go a long way to support the strategies, because they are talking about national policies and national strategies. Currently, through the Doha Work Program, all the countries have a strategy. Those who are, they don't have, they are now developing it. So they need a special fund for climate change education, training, and public awareness as an action funding. This will go a long way to help improve the understanding of climate change. If you're able to improve understanding of climate change, half of the pro problem is, is gone. If you look at Ghana, uh, we on annual basis, we, we've been mainstreaming climate change to, into, into government institutions. Uh, so by so doing, they understand climate change and when they go to the field within the community they also uh, help to create awareness there's also politicians see every four years we're able to uh, have a, a new government so what we also do is that we help 
actually uh, the, the new government to integrate climate change into their manifesto. Because if their climate change is in their manifesto, when they win, then it means they are going to implement. So that's some of the program that we've been we've been we've been doing. But the the, the most important thing is also the schools issue. You see, we need to integrate climate change into school curricula because this is very important to reduce the gap. It could be an early life intervention where we'll be building foundation of our children for, for their climate uh, behaviors and values on the environment. And this is actually going to remain with them forever. And by so doing, we'll create uh, leaders who are sensitive to the environment and they'll be able to solve the major problem, environmental problem that we, we, we are having. I think if we are able want to reduce the gap, this is the way we, 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 we need to go. And then this will, they will help influence the others. If the, the children, the children are, are good people who will be able to they, they influence their own family. Because uh, if you look at the curricula uh, of, 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 of the Ghana education service as of today, so far as climate change, the class two people are learning human activities that are harmful to the environment. So if the children, and when we were on the field one day, the children were saying that if they are, uh, their parents are doing some of those things that are harmful to the environment by throwing uh, waste into water bodies, opinification, burning, if they are doing those things, then they will not go to school again. You see, because they have learned it in school and they've realized that it's, it's something which is not good and their parents are doing. And by so doing, the, 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 the children can influence their parents and they can influence their children, their, their friends, and they can generally all influence the community. So it's very, very, very good to make sure that we integrate climate change into school curricula. That will really build our future leaders as environmentally sensitive leaders to solve our problems, both environmentally and climate change in general. This will really, really go a long way for the government of Africa, among all other countries, to do that so that we'll have the future who are a uh, future of climate uh, is climate change sensitive or environmentally sensitive leaders and they will be able to conserve or protect whatever we, we have so far as the environment environment is concerned so sensibly yes so this uh, very important uh, I think that we think sorry, doctor. I think we are losing uh, you. We need to do, and then we should also go there for education. Okay, doctor, thank you so much for sharing some of those uh, components. Unfortunately, we are losing you a bit, and um, yeah, we can just get back to you as we have our last. Uh, remarks at the in the next round um i know we're running out of time so Clara, uh, patricia combo unfortunately but uh, i'll give you this platform uh, i noticed doctor mentioned a couple of critical issues how we have to you know make sure that the young people get grow up with instilled knowledge amongst them something that we refer to as within fks civic education that ties in with the earlier question that I spoke to you with, uh, to do with, uh, you know, uh, indigenous knowledge, how you balance the game of 
what we call climate literacy and how we can you know implement it at national level and community level maybe if you can just share some some of the thoughts and you know your your cries to the international world and some of the needed resources and the cries where the needed prioritizes thank you okay thank you very much and i will share as based on my community and what we've been able to do and first of all we always put them at the center of implementation whereby we have to we listen to them we have to get why they are doing some of the things and from there now we advance based on what we think is sustainable and what is not and working with communities is one crucial role and community embraces both the learners and the community at large and by working with the kids and i will echo what doctor said kids are very they are very passionate and once you train them on something they are usually they usually spread the message to the community and i will share a short story whereby during the lockdown we were doing avocado seedlings whereby we were collecting at household level and majority of the young kids were very impressed and they went ahead to collect a lot of the avocado seeds for us to put in nursery and by watching their character traits and watching them change their mindset and also behavior towards some of the basic basic needs like you know environmental conservation really makes us to think and request the united nations to consider the literacy because without literacy we will have communities which are vulnerable but by training them you find they reduce their vulnerability vulnerability and also they learn to integrate other other sustainable development goals by learning how they integrate and also learning how how their human activities can hinder attainment of others all sustainable development goals and again by in working with communities we train them on how to integrate now the knowledge that they have into the into the ground and by into practicing it because majority of people have the theory they have the theory of resilience they have the theory of restoration but they have they do not have the knowledge the literacy now to translate the knowledge into the real action which is now very crucial and another thing that we are talking is about reducing occurrences by working with community and training them and having the conversation on climate on education you find there are some of the ways they can adapt which ensures they reduce some of occurrences like we have soil erosion happening we have pollution now and there so i feel communities and indigenous information is very crucial because this is something that most of the time we often leave out but most basically is having conversation on education because we are all talking about the 21st century skills we are, we are all talking about our inclusive and our inclusive world but what will what will we might achieve we might achieve zero because without having a generation that understands nature and i'll take you back to when i was growing up we used, used to hear about computers, you know, computer knowledge. And to us, by that time, it was something weird. But look at now, everyone is using computers, and computer education was introduced. The same way we are talking of climate, we have a lot of climate denials, we have a lot of like evidence climate crisis is happening. So we'd like to request even the COP and also all government, just as they introduce computer knowledge, is the same way they should introduce environmental and climate literacy, because some of the things that are happening is out of need. It's not out, it's because people do not have knowledge. To be sincere, I happen to ask 
a couple of people in in my community do you know why we are having climate crisis and you know they 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 have the narrative in the past we used to have consistent rains but now the rainfall is not consistent and when you ask them do you know this connect majority of them do not know and this brings the gap and you'll find people applying fertilizers people treating wrongly and when you ask them they will tell you this is what we found our forefathers doing that shows there's a disconnect people lack the knowledge people lack them the basic importance and again talking about the land-based jobs majority of young people do not appreciate land-based careers like you know agriculture because they do not have the knowledge that like the climate literature they do not have the knowledge that they can be doing conservation they can farm sustainably as a way of creating employment among themselves and also promoting climate action so my Third point, as I conclude, so far we've been able to visit 15 schools where we've established three nurseries, we've, we've worked with the kids, and by interacting with them, I've realized the community is willing to learn, the community is very welcoming, and also the kids are very eager, and they find they find environmental and climate-related stories more interesting because this breaks the norm out of the normal curriculum, the, the theory-based curriculum. So every time we are training them on climate conservation, you find they are very eager. So if the government had a place to introduce it and have a curriculum whereby every child has an equal right to learn, it will be very good. And finally, what I tell people, a child without environmental literacy is like a bird without feathers. They will never fly. No matter the knowledge they have, no matter what skills they have, we all need climate action, we all need environment, because tomorrow is not is not predictable. We all see what is happening, the climate crisis, and for us to integrate in the job market tomorrow, we have first to learn how to mitigate, how to adapt, and how to be resilient. Thank you very much. And also not forgetting the green the green employment and the green culture for young people. And this goes back to the climate literacy. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, really, really key points, the important points. Um, and I'm sure the homework that we have to probably from the synergies that we'll have from here is us going back to our joint boards, uh, you know, synthesizing all our efforts and capacities and make sure that we are able to implement some of these points that you guys are bringing up. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know if it's a coincidence that we have to launch our literacy, climate literacy toolkit at the hour mark. Um, but before we just do the official, I think uh, Ezekiel will just take us through it. Um, I'm sorry, Ezekiel, this is like the most important part of the session as well, um, as we are bringing this to the world, but we do not have enough time. So uh, we have limited time, but if you can just take everybody through why we came up with this, why you guys came up with this as young people and what are the things to look up to and uh, probably the aims and goals to of this uh, toolkit that we are launching just now. So Ezekiel, over to you. Well, uh, thank you. Thank you very much, Jen. And um, I listened to, to Patricia and Dr. Emmanuel and everyone, how uh, Africa is is gearing towards um, making climate education mandatory in schools. And how 
and why we came out with uh, with these two kids was how I became introduced to climate uh, climate activism. There was a time in uh, November 2019 when I was just researching on the internet, and then I came across the word climate change, and I never knew what that word means at the time. So I was I was confused. What uh, do we mean by climate change? So I had to go and Google that word or photo on the internet. And then I saw so many reactions from the internet, which uh, got me anxious and angry as well. I was angry because this is a crisis, an emergency, and we are not looking at it from that point. And I was anxious in the sense that I wanted to solve this crisis as well. So there was no platform for me to, to advocate on. Uh, also, there was no resources uh, for me to for read further, apart from me going uh, to read the, uh, apart from me going to read the, uh, the UNFCCC uh, framework and all the Paris Climate Agreement and other documents. So what, what, I, what I came to know was that there was a lack of resources for Africa when it comes to materials. Whenever we want to read on climate change, we always read what the Europeans, the Asians have written. We don't have resources that, that actually contextualize Africa climate situation. It was lacking. How can we how can we discuss climate change? And we are using the, the point of view, we are using the perspective of the Westerners and of the Asians. It means that we will not really be tackling the issue of climate change in Africa. How can we solve the climate crisis if we want to take steps, the Europeans and that of the Americans and the Asians are taking? It means that Africa will be taking the wrong step. We need to look at the climate crisis from Africa's point of view, from the African perspective. So, uh, and also I interacted with some people in Liberia and also some part of Africa. And whenever they are speaking, they speak from the opinions of, of Western activists, what Western activists are saying. So I asked some of them, uh, have, you, have you not listened to other Af activists in, in Africa? And they said that, but everyone's saying the same thing. Then I said, yes, I think that is because we, we listen to what people say out of Africa and we want, to, we want to make it, we want to force it in our own context. It cannot happen. We have to look at our own crisis. We have to look at the climate crisis as a crisis of our own. We have to look at the climate crisis from how young people in Africa are interacting, what they are doing, what are the works on ground, how do they want to get involved? And whenever they want to get involved, there is no resources to use. So when my team and myself sat down, and then I told them that I was ignorant to the climate crisis. I don't want other young people in Africa to be ignorant to the climate crisis. The way I was introduced to climate change, I don't want other young people to be introduced to climate change 
in Africa like that. Because there were so many negative reactions I got from the internet. I was even blocked on Facebook. I was even, I was even taken from other chat rooms in Liberia. Why? Because they never wanted to, to hear what I was saying. And knowing that we were at the moment of the COVID-19 pandemic, it was not the entire situation for my advocacy at the time I got introduced. So I said to myself, they are removing me from their chat rooms, not because they don't want to hear the knowledge, it's because they don't know how important it is. So because of them, we will have to develop something that they will read, that they will understand. So I called my team and then we, we wanted to do this, but I said to myself, we cannot develop a, we cannot develop a toolkit for Liberia because it will be the same situation. It will be the same, the same thing. Africa now, we need an African approach to climate change. We don't need a Ghanaian approach. We don't need a Liberian approach. We don't need a Zimbabwean approach. We don't, we don't need a Ugandan approach. We don't need a South African approach. We need an Africa approach. We need an African approach to solving the climate crisis. So because of that mindset that we need an African approach, I decided to get to other Africans, activists and NGOs from across Africa. I got to my colleague from, from Zambia, the environmental savers of Zambia, in up to Kamambo. I got to, to, to uh, uh, the kitchen. Yes. from Kenya to Kamambo and also, also other young people to Kamambo. So when we, when we start developing toolkit, we, we became more concerned about the practical approach to solving the climate crisis. It is not only about reading the toolkit, but what are some success stories of other activists across Africa? What are they doing in their countries? So that yes, other people can read and become motivated towards it. So all in all, all in all to, to conclude on this, is that Africa needs to come together to address climate change. We need to come together to address climate education. I hope for this, I hope for this, for this uh, meeting, like Terry said, I hope that the Liberian government will declare climate education uh, as a subject to be taught in school coming uh, next academic year, because from this, we are going to do a vigorous engagement with them to make sure that this become a declaration in Liberia. Thank you very much. Thank you, Ezekiel, and uh, congratulations, colleagues, for the hard work um, which has finally manifested. Um, um, I hope uh, to say congratulations and to pop up some balloon to most of the young people that have done this uh, such a historic endeavor. Uh, we will share a copy to all of the panelists today and some of the people on our mailing list so that you can have a copy of this amazing toolkit. And uh, congratulations once again to the young people in Africa for doing such an amazing job. Um, the toolkit will be launched just right now. It's going to be there on our day website. Uh, for everybody to view, for everyone to see. Uh, it's going to be on several organizational websites, all the partners that took part in producing this. I'm sure the librarian government will receive a hard copy or for the also the uh, ministry and other delegates, as well as uh, the soft copies as well for your team, as well as all the people that have been paying attention and helping out.
Uh, thank you, Ezekiel, and some of the ambassadors that you're working with and the other guys. I would like to say congratulations, guys. Congratulations. And thank you to all the entire FDA.org team that has been working tirelessly and the guys behind the scene that made this happen, helping, working, and paying attention, listening to the young people that had come together with all the ideas and work. Um, it's such a, it's a big name. It's a start to knowing that we are listened to and we can work on something that is um, essential and paid attention to by the continent. So, yeah, just to conclude on today's meeting, I'll give uh, back to, uh, I'll give just a minute each uh, to you, Mr. Tyler, um, to just say, uh, you know, your last remarks going forward to the governments, to the stakeholders, prior to also the UNFCCC meeting, conference of parties, um, as well as uh, Ms. Patricia, you can just come in through and then I'll ask my colleague Derek afterwards to just conclude and thank everybody for coming through. So over to you, Mr. Taylor. Thank you very much. Um, I will conclude by saying thanks to Ezekiel and his team. I read through the toolkit uh, last night, and I must say that it is of uh, it is a fantastic job that you and your team did. And uh, I shared the world this morning when I was briefing my boss. We are losing him again. Um, you can come back again, Patricia. Over to you. Okay, I would like to say thank you for the amazing work that as the organization is doing, and also by ensuring the conversations on climate literacy is passed to generations to come and what i would like to call our leaders and especially the cop 26 and un triple fc is like we've had enough of talks we've seen since we were since even i was born we've had talks and talks talks on climate change what if we change the narrative and introduce environmental and literacy education among among young kids and in schools maybe we get better and real actions because with the talks and with the talks and less of action we might not achieve anything and what i would like to tell them is like there is no way you're going to leave a planet which you've not educated the young kids about it without literacy without climate literacy whatever you're going to work on the young generation might not actualize it because they lack the knowledge so for us to move forward we need climate literacy and we need it to be included as part of, as part of quality education thank you thank you so much thank you so much um we also have mr Kami Basad. Uh, thank you for joining us and uh, facilitating the program as well maybe if you can just share just a few words um remarks or yeah, uh, hi guys. So, uh, thank you so much for you guys uh, providing your insights from the first speaker to the end. Uh, honestly, I've learned a lot and uh, many thanks to the team and the panelists. Uh, so, on my end, I'm really looking forward to the, uh, to the, uh, 
to much bigger impact of this climate literacy agenda and having this agenda actually getting implemented uh, within the whole sub-Saharan Africa and Africa at large and the world at large, and meaning starting from lower levels to the university levels. Fingers crossed on that. Uh, many thanks to everyone for joining this session. Thanks to Jean, Derek, and Halsey in the back, and of course, and the speakers. Thank you so much. Thank you, Hamid. Um, Derek, over to you. Yes, um, thanks uh, to all the panelists. It has been such a uh, very fruitful. Uh, our social media and the online conversation, there have been so many questions, and uh, you have really actually touched them that you didn't even know you were answering some of the people's questions that were online uh, over to our YouTube and over to our AthDerit.org Facebook. Uh, but just to say, combined with civic education, climate and environmental literacy, will create jobs, uh, will create greener consumer market and allow citizens to engage with their governments in a meaningful way to solve the climate change. Uh, at times we forget this and we only leave it to the governments, but once we activate more people to know about the climate crisis and to see what they can do about it, I'm sure we shall have so many solutions that you have never, never imagined. We shall have very many innovations. We shall have very many br bright minds for, for our future generations and even for us ourselves. I think recently you've seen what's happened in Europe with the floods and everything. But now even this that has been happening in Africa as well. So that's why the conversation is not only for Africa, but also we open up the rest of the other global world to say that we are in a crisis and all of us have something to do about it. So thanks to our panelists. The conversation continues. Uh, please subs do sign up to our campaign. Um, for the toolkit, go to earthday.org slash Africa. Go down to the resources. You'll find the toolkit there. So it has been officially launched and you can find it on our website. Then for the campaign, you can just go still to arthur.org, go to our work. Uh, you can go to climate and environmental literacy, and you'll see what we have done. Amazing work arthur.org has done over the years, uh, since 1970 up to now, when we are still building and building this movement and activating this global movement to see that all of us, all countries, all African countries, as we go to COP26, we should come back with an announcement that makes climate and environmental education really really mandatory and compulsory really assessed like any other subject and we educate as many young people as possible it is possible like you've done any other things so as you go to discuss um carbon markets all the other conversations unless we educate people the other rest of the conversations are nothing so the first step is let's educate everyone and uh, let's have this from the grassroots from all the levels of education and let's see that the grassroots support can also help the governments implement this uh the, the agenda of climate education. So thank you very much to all our panelists. I'm happy you responded positively to all the invitations and that you had and you shared exhaustively everything. So we keep the conversation on our social media at arthur.org slash Africa on, 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 our web, on our website and at Athlete Africa on our Twitter. Thank you very much. Thank you guys. Um, have an amazing evening. Rest of your day to the rest of the world. All right. Bye, everyone. Thank you.